Welcome to the Marketing for Startups podcast. If you're trying to figure out marketing for your startup, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, we go high level, looking at the intersection of branding, data, and leadership to offer you a marketing playbook to grow and scale. Join me each week for in-depth interviews, tactical advice, and practical trainings. Hi, I'm your host, Victoria Hajar, veteran marketer and startup enthusiast. I promise to bring my experience and curiosity to each episode Then together, we'll peel back the onion on this ever-changing discipline that is marketing. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Guys, today is a real treat. I'm talking to Sarah Wilson, who is a true thought leader in the digital marketing space and someone whose work I've admired for quite some time now. So it's really such an honor for me to have had this conversation with Sarah. So let me go ahead and introduce her to you all. Sarah Wilson is a Gen Z marketing expert, Facebook, Instagram alum, and founder of digital strategy consultancy called SW Projects, where she helps clients like Nike, Bumble, National Geographic, Sony Pictures, The New York Times, and many others grow passionately devoted online communities. She writes frequently on the subject of digital marketing trends for publications like Harvard Business Review, which is where I originally found her work, um, MIT Sloan Management Review, and Ad Age, among others. Sarah also speaks and leads workshops on the subject of digital campfires, which is a topic we go into in great depth in the interview. Really, really interesting stuff. Um, She does these workshops for internal teams at companies like YouTube and Microsoft. Sarah has been quoted as an authority on digital strategy in multiple publications, including Forbes, Women's Wear Daily, Vogue, and Fast Company. I just know you're going to get so much out of this conversation if you are a founder, if you're leading a marketing team, if you're wondering what is the future of marketing, things are changing so quickly. We touch on everything um, that is going on right now. We talk about Web3, we talk about NFTs, use cases, um, opportunities for smaller businesses and startups. So this is a really juicy conversation. And without further ado, I present to you my interview with Sarah Wilson. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I'm I'm great. I'm so excited for this conversation. So like a little bit of background, a couple months ago, Um, I was doing research for a go-to-market strategy for a client who was building a social platform. And of course, in the research, I came across your work in Harvard Business Review. And um, it was like, it not only did it feel like an aha moment, um, everything you're talking about with digital campfires, but it felt like a relief. Like it felt like a relief (laughs) to feel like, okay, there's some actual data that backs like what I have been feeling for Mm. so much about social media in general. So starting the episode, I wanted (laughs) you to talk a little bit about yourself, but sort of how you arrived to the concept of digital campfires and what they are exactly, because this has really been your breakout concept. And there's obvious, I mean, it's obvious why. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that it resonated. Honestly, that is exactly why I wrote it because, um, you know, there is a lot of noise in the space and part of what I love and, you know, my background and I'll get into it is as a journalist, I started my career as a journalist. Um, I was an editor and writer and, you know, I did that for a living. I ran a bunch of sections at the Huffington Post, uh, you know, early on sort of heyday of digital media. Um, And then I went to Facebook where I ran lifestyle partnerships uh, across Facebook and Instagram at the time, 
I was responsible for both Facebook and Instagram because there was no dedicated Instagram partnerships team. It was still pretty nascent. And the reason I say that is because I I sort of bring this, you know, journalistic perspective to everything I do. It's kind of in my bones Mm. um, having, you know, I actually grew up with a a mom who's a journalist. And so I am really all about not only getting actual information and data, but really bringing a journalistic eye to how do you connect the dots and and sort of shed light on what's happening. And so I think of myself as a demystifier, someone who really kind of goes into these spaces online and really helps to, you know, decode and demystify what's happening. I don't profess to be the, the you know, the, the, the expert on, uh, I'm not Gen Z, for example, I'm not Mm. part of that generation, Mm -hmm. but I rely on my stable of of experts and friends and research to really inform uh, what I do. My talent is really bringing that all together uh, as a journalist would. It's so cool. Well, I mean, I guess that you, for the years that you're with Facebook, Instagram, I can imagine Mm -hmm. that you're sort of like a part of everything that's going on, right? You're in sort of the inside and probably seeing and experiencing things firsthand that all of us are experiencing for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. How brands utilize the platforms, which yeah. have evolved so much, right? Um, yeah. And all of the sort of, I guess you've seen sort of the crescendo, right? Of the excitement and- Yes, the very much so. Right, like the authenticity and then the lack of authenticity and then the search to go back to authenticity. Right, so, it's so funny. Yes, so, absolutely. So how did you- come up with this concept yes. of digital campfires. Yeah. Of course, I didn't actually answer your previous yeah, question. So yeah, let me let me go back and answer that. So it actually connects to working at Facebook a little bit. Um, so when I was at Facebook was, do you remember the ice bucket challenge? Do you oh, remember yeah. like yeah, that yeah. moment where, yeah. <laughs> yes, and it was actually a first for Facebook as well. It was when Facebook video was just starting. Before mm-hmm. that, like, it's hard to remember this because it's like going back in time to a ta- yeah. land before time, but yeah. really Facebook didn't have like a strong video product. And so video and the ice bucket challenge sort of happened at the same time. And so yeah. you saw this crazy viral moment where people all over the world were embracing it. Celebrities were embracing it. And it, I would argue that it really was a collective moment mm-hmm. um, that we all like, you know, if you didn't participate in yourself, your friend did, or your, right, your family right. member did. So those types of moments, those types of sort of global viral moments, I think they're a thing of the past. And part of that has to do with the way that we're consuming, you know, and this connects to digital campfires and what I observed. So it's really gone from this sort of collective global thing to heavily nicheified, mm. where, you know, a lot of us are, are moving into smaller, more intimate, often more interactive online spaces. And I call those spaces digital campfires. Mm. And so when I originally sort of observed this happening, I, I, it really was sort of a nascent trend that I just wanted to come up with a name for. Mm. And so I, I was like, you know, the data is showing this, this is sort of like hints here and there. I'm also observing this. Let's just name it to yeah. really help people specifically brands, because that's who I work with. That's who my audience is, you know, get their heads around this and really try to understand what's happening. And so I call these types of spaces and it can be anything from, and I'll explain the sort of three types that I go into, but you know, anything from platforms to uh, a type of, of, um, you know, tactic that I would call kind of a digital campfire tactic. It really was a, a framework Uh, more than anything for understanding what I saw happening, what was going on and really how to approach this new type of online consumption. Do do you think, because this kind of sparked me, you know, after the ice bucket challenge, Mm -hmm. 
I'm an OG marketer like you, right? Mm -hmm. I've been there 10 plus years and Mm -hmm. changed so much, but I feel like the big buzz after Mm -hmm. the ice bucket challenge was this idea of like guerrilla marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted to go viral. Everyone wanted to have this kind of content, this phenomenon content. So do you think with this smaller and more intimate formats that that type of marketing or that type of guerrilla viral stuff is just not quite possible anymore? It no, it's like definitely possible. It's yeah. definitely possible. Right. It's just happening in different ways. So right. I think we're like, for example, definitely seeing it on TikTok. So yeah. that is, I would say the platform that is most encapsulating the type of virality that we're seeing. Yeah. So I can talk a little bit about like yeah, examples. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, the other day I was actually preparing for a presentation and I wanted to look at like, what's a recent viral moment on TikTok. Um, and there was an artist, I don't know how much you heard about her name is Gail, G-A-Y-L-E. Oh, and uh, they, her song, not Oprah's best friend, but not yeah. Oprah's best friend. No, yeah. a song of hers had a crazy viral uh, moment on the platform um, after somebody placed, you know, put a, a comment right, on her right. TikTok and said, Hey, can you write a song? Um, I think it was inspired by the alphabet. And she evidently wrote a song called ABCDEFU. It got insane traction and pickup a couple days later, maybe a couple weeks. Don't know. TikTok is fast. It came out that this was actually just a brilliant, I would say brilliant marketing move by Atlantic records, her label. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Okay. So like, it was essentially a comment that was placed there. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, can you write this? So internet sleuths determined that. Yeah. However, the song went viral. It hit number one on billboard. No. Like oh, she was on Jimmy scale. Fallon. Like Stop. this, is, this isn't little, okay. like yeah. this is real. It has real world implications. So there is absolutely virality happening every mm-hmm. single day. I'm just going to argue that it's happening at such a, a quicker pace. And there's so much more of it happening now that it's like blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like, if you weren't tuned into the corner of the internet where Gail was blowing up, yeah. Um, you know, until Jimmy Fallon put her on, you really wouldn't know yeah. that this was happening. And yet, if you look up her song hashtag on TikTok, like there's, I believe billions of views that have to check, but it's a lot. Yeah. So what I'm saying is there's, these things are still happening. It's just much more niche and it's mm. much more in those little communities where mm. people go deep on those subjects. Um, it might be worth defining how I talk about digital campfires yeah. though, to just yeah, actually yeah, to yeah. pull back. So yeah. we like, Hey, what and is plus, this? I want you to know in the show yeah. notes, everyone, yeah. I'm going to link uh, like all the articles and also, um, your like latest presentation that you sent me, which I loved the Roblox thing is so funny that you mentioned because she she mentioned Roblox in the beginning is it Robo blocks or Roblox 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 yeah because my yeah. son just had a birthday party and, yeah and all the moms are like I know what to get a gift card for Roblox Roblox and I'm sitting there and be like is Roblox like I'm so <laughs> and I, I went in and, and it was very confusing so um yes yeah, so go ahead and we'll link all that good stuff up but definitely give us kind of the the framework yeah. and sort of the definition um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So I define, and I'll say it just to be totally clear. I define digital campfires as closed and kind of often more private and interactive online spaces. So platforms, forums, virtual destinations that exist kind of in opposition 
to the public facing parts of social mm. platforms. And mm. I can explain what I mean by that because I, I break it down into sort of three types. I did have a um, question and, though. Would you yeah. consider Facebook groups as a campfire? Yeah, I, oh, okay, I would, okay. yes. So that's why I'm, I, I be, I'm sure to mention you know, the public facing parts yes. of social platforms because yes. groups really are private spaces for private interactions and groups um, are really one of the, the the only parts of Facebook that um, are, are doing well with, for yeah. example, young audiences right now. Um, you do see communities with a lot of, you know, Zs in those communities. That's really the only space on Facebook that you're seeing um, audiences gravitate. That might be another another yeah. line of uh, yeah. conversation. But That's very cool. But yeah. Yeah. So I um, separate campfires into three types, depending on the primary reason people gather there. Um, so the first is private messaging campfires. So those are private or small group messaging, usually, but like not always with one's real life friends. That's the primary purpose for gathering. So example might be Snapchat or WhatsApp or the texting platform community. Yeah. If you're familiar with like celebrities often use community to Mm -hmm. text their um, Mm -hmm. audiences. Then I call the second micro community campfires, which I define as like primarily interactive, private or semi-private forums where people gather around interests or beliefs or passions. Mm. And that can also include platforms where distinct subcultures thrive. So Mm -hmm. I would say Discord or Slack or Twitter spaces, or honestly, TikTok does fall into this category. And then the last one uh, I call shared experience campfires. So that's private or public forums where participants participating in a shared experience, often, honestly, around a specific shared interest or like gaming mm. um, with the like-minded community is the primary purpose for gathering. So an example of, of that platform would be Roblox. Mm-hmm. Um, Fortnite is another great example. I would say Twitch. I would put shopping, live shopping platforms like Pop Shop in there as well or whatnot. So mm. that's kind of how I define them. And honestly, this is just a way for people to get their heads around what the heck is happening yeah. and to be like, okay, I kind of get it now. So I hope that... Yeah. provide some illumination we can dig into anything you want well and I think you would be more also very interesting to go into some of the examples because especially I mean the gaming examples that you go into in Mm -hmm. in your research and your articles is is um, incredible because especially if you're I don't know in my demographic and you're not sitting on twitch or whatever it's really interesting to understand the universe that's Mm -hmm alive and vibrant on these platforms and also in terms of how brands are interacting with them I really love the example the sprite example you had uh-huh. that you have that's yeah that's really cool so can you explain like one or two examples to kind of bring these to life on how brands sure. are them? yeah so I mean the it's quite a wide-ranging um set of examples um I think that there's a lot of ways that brands are like putting these concepts into action ranging from like what I call lightweight to super intense so lightweight might be you know let's call it leveraging campfire tactics here and there so kind of like testing the waters dipping a toe and I can give an example of that all the way to actually building their own platforms or creating their own world on Mm -hmm. existing platforms like Roblox. Mm -hmm. So I'll start at the more intensive side. So an example of, you know, a brand going in and creating their own world would be Vans. Vans actually has a 
standalone world on Roblox and they're not, it's not a one-off. It's actually like they have set up a world there. They are using it for everything from, you know, customer, um, you know, developing a community on that platform um, to essentially, um, you know, road testing different ideas or getting customer insights. There's just a lot that they're doing and it's a, it's a longer term investment, Mm. a more lightweight way um, of, you know, experimenting, let's say with digital campfire platforms. Or, or, or testing the waters would be what Chipotle did with Discord. Uh, Chipotle started a Discord server as part of a job fair, essentially. They hosted ah. a job fair. Wow. And it wasn't like a Discord server that's going to go on and on and on. It's not just on the platform. It was like a one-off. I believe it was for like a week or something. Um, and they just did that in a really creative way when Discord, I would say, was still somewhat nascent to non-gamers, but yeah. had a lot of appeal to their specific audience. Yeah. Chipotle is a great example actually of a brand that just is so experimental and has so much fun mm. um experimenting with digital campfire platforms i think that they released i want to say they did an avocado listing on depop as yeah. sort of a, i mean it's super stunty yeah. and funny yeah. but like they aren't afraid to experiment and i i think that you know experimentation especially with a lot of these campfire platforms engenders a lot of loyalty yeah. Like at the end of the day, I was asked like, what's the point? Why do this? It's about mm. creating intimacy with your audience. And that's kind of where I always want to go with it. And and just as like a, a pin in that concept, I think, mm. you know, it doesn't brand small or big. I think there's probably a lot of hesitation to look stupid, to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like these brands or brands that you work with, there's just that like car blanche to do whom, whatever to any Gen Zer marketing manager, like how does that executed really, or is these really <laughs> long, kind of thought out, heavily approved sort of stuff? It feels like it, it you know, fun, creative, quick. Yeah, I yeah. think they have to hire the right people and they have to hire Z's to get it right. So right. Uh, an example I love is um, the social media manager for Duolingo, yeah, yeah. Um, who essentially created this character on TikTok, um, the, the duo character. Yeah, believe, yeah like, that little bird, go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is it a bird or it's an owl? Oh, I think it's, it's, a, owl. Oh, it's an owl. Yeah, yeah. Is an owl a bird? I think an owl yeah. is technically a bird. Yes, okay, sorry. Yeah. I'm like, what is an owl? Is it like a <laughs> tomato? Like, what is it? Is it a vegetable? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But she, you know, I don't know her personally. Yeah. I, you know, I read a little bit about her story, but I have been so impressed because, you know, they clearly, the company empowered her to have fun and right. to play. And I think it's essential that you're bringing in as a brand, you're bringing in um, young talent who get these platforms and can yeah. help you navigate them, whether it's as, advisors or to actually run them mm-hmm. um, without a whole lot of levels and layers of approval, especially yeah. when we're talking about platforms that trends move like at the speed of light, you have yeah. to be empowered to jump on them, yeah. um, you know, and participate in a way that resonates. Um, and so, I mean, we're seeing a lot of brands get it right, but we're also seeing some brands get it yeah. wrong. Oh, so have you seen, has there been like a real faux pas? Because that's kind of the scary thing, I think, in the, the, with all brands, I think we're in a climate where, you know, people are scared of doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. Have you seen some real huge misses from brands on, on these campfires? You know, I don't know that I can think of specifically one 
on a campfire. Um, the one that comes to mind from like yesterday is M&Ms, um, you know, being designed for a more dynamic, more progressive world. I think that's how they, Yeah. there was a whole, you know, I, I, I don't actually know all of the details, so I don't want to go too much, but I think brands often hop on, you know, uh, a, a, an idea that is like, you know, supposedly this is what we have to be doing now, right? We have to be mm-hmm. uh, more inclusive. And so we're going to do that in a way, but it often comes off as corporate and ham-fisted if they don't yeah. have the right people in the room to advise them. Um, I have to think on one that is specific to campfires, like something that happened uh, that wasn't, you know, the right, it, it just like, wasn't the right move. Maybe, and I'll, I'll come back to you. Kind of, yeah. But maybe it's kind of you know, also lends itself to the fact of how fast things move. It's sort of like, if there was something that happened that maybe was not ideal outcome, that Mm -hmm. it's like tomorrow is the new day. And like, yeah, totally. I think that's actually it. So I think the thing is that, and, and what I've seen over and over again, is that when brands are experimental and kind of, I would say in conversation with their audiences in a way that feels like really loose and campfires can help them do that because if they're developing these intimate connections, then, you know, they're, they're already sort of like they, people are developing relationships with the brands Mm -hmm. as they would people. Mm -hmm. So if the brand is already out there doing that, and like I said, campfires can really facilitate that, then they're a lot more likely to forgive mm-hmm. um, mistakes and they're a lot more authentic, right? Exactly. exactly. It's like a person taking yeah. a stumble, but if they right. don't have a relationship with them, then they're going to be in a much, much um, more precarious p- position yeah. um, when something well, like that happens. Let's go back to kind of the small, medium, large approach. So now we're kind of on the light. So we yeah. talked a little bit about, you know, vans kind of in, in, in Roblox and doing this mm-hmm. world now we talked a little bit about Chipotle on Discord. What would mm-hmm. be like a light, like a a light example? Yeah, well, so Chipotle Discord is probably, I would say, a light example because mm. it was just a one-off. It was just like a few. Um, uh-huh. okay, okay. Uh, I think it was like maybe a week. Um, I would say, you know, I really like the the brand Mad Happy. I think that they're really smart in terms of how they encapsulate their message. Um, through their message of sort of mental health and wellness awareness. I don't know how much you know about the brand, but it's essentially a sport. It's a sportswear brand for, for Z's. And, And honestly, when I look at their stuff, like, yeah, it's great. But it's really around the, the popularity is around how they tell their story mm. and sort of their really smart partnerships with, uh, I would say, values aligned um, organizations and brands in that space, mm. um, which is mental health is sort of their raison d'etre, sort of like yeah. promoting mental health awareness. Yeah. They have a text line that they started. They put the number, the actual like phone number um, on some of their merch and then created um, like a essentially mental health text line. Um, it wasn't supposed to be therapy. It's not, but it's, it's helping to, you know, uh, inform and educate Mm -hmm. around mental health. And it's a very simple gesture. Um, it's not like they're texting daily. Maybe it's twice a month. Um, that at least that I've received it, maybe they were faster initially. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a way to connect with the brand as a human. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's super lightweight and it's really clever in how they connected it to their merch. Um, and so I thought that was just a great example of uh, a texting sort of as that is a version of a digital campfire that is really lightweight, 
um, that reflects the brand's purpose, which is sort of promoting mental health um, awareness and, and overall wellness and, uh, and does it in a really clever way. Just for the record, by the way, I think that um, text is highly, highly underutilized mm-hmm. by brands, yeah. um, you know, across the board, um, especially brands that are targeted for disease. Like, of course, brands have commerce related text initiatives. You know, you, you buy one item on their website and they're often texting you and it's often super annoying, but where is the great, you know, media company that's, that's being born on text? Where is that? Because when you actually look at how Z's are consuming and where they're consuming, they are using message, text message. Like that is a huge surface for them. Um, Obviously it's for the world as well, but that is not like that is not to be ignored. And I'm just sort of shocked by the degree to which this has not been embraced by mm-hmm. either brands or platforms, honestly, yeah. looking to innovate and reach Z's. So that's oh, just I, my little I, That's been on my box. mind too. It's so interesting <laughs> because I've seen a lot of brands recently forego email opt-in mm-hmm. for text. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how smart that is. I mean, I've seen sort of both, right? That you can do both, but I've not seen any brands fostering relationships. Right. Right. Like it's one thing just to be like, okay, just give us your phone number. Fine. Like we've all gotten promotions, promotions, promotions. Sure. And like, great, you know, exactly. But it's like, where is, and I'm even taking it one step further. Like where are the tools where you can actually like press yes, no, and like interact Mm -hmm. with like a chat on Facebook. Exactly. Where is that? A track. Exactly. Where's that happening? Where's that happening? Yeah, that's a good one. And you know, it's so funny because, you know, and I don't know about, you know, how long-term, like if that's just a trend that will go away, but it's worth saying that like, there are so many ways you can foster a genuine relationship through being more creative with what the messages are. Yes. That, that brings me back to, because what I'm thinking with all this explanation of digital campfires is the idea that I, I know a lot of smaller businesses miss, which is the changing purpose of any kind of social platform or any kind of social marketing that you're doing, which is having someone on the team actually be a part of what's going on. Because I think we've Mm -hmm. automated so much of our, our presence on social, oftentimes because lack of bandwidth and all of that. Mm -hmm. But as you can see from the Gale's song example, it's mm-hmm. not just about, you know, being on the platform, listening, but and also kind of setting up these scenarios where there's kind of like a marketing funnel that that is activated or is um, that is brought to life through being in community and actually engaging. Yes, I think. Yes, still, absolutely. Right. Like we kind of look at it in a reaction, reactionary way. It's like, oh, engagement's mm-hmm. down. Okay. I'm just going to like, like and comment and whatever, but mm-hmm. I see that at, in the campfires is there's opportunity or people are being quite creative and yeah. that is part of that authenticity that shouldn't just be in the campfires. That should be kind of spread through all of social interaction as well. Yes. Yes. You can take some of these principles and, and, and apply them in the same way. The, the, the reason I like digital campfires for like a place of testing and learning and figuring mm, out like yeah. what works um, is because it's such a concentrated space. So for example, if you have a text channel and you can test a lot of this stuff and really learn about like, what does your audience want? Cause these are, 
these are your fans that are more uh, sort of your more diehard people mm-hmm. who are going to opt in, right? Like this yeah. is, and I do want to make that distinction. Um, you know, I, I would never advise to lose your social presence, digital campfires and social, pre- social channels, like accomplish different things and they work in tandem, they work yeah. together. And so I do think of your digital campfire channels as sort of for your um, core fans, your people who, you know, you really want to foster that excitement and the people who've bought your product and, and are eager to buy more. Whereas your social is for a, a broader set. I call it the difference between capital C community, which is this smaller, you know, group and then um, lowercase C community. And actually that's not even my term. I, I heard it from the community manager at Glossier uh-huh, uh-huh. and they use that when they were developing their community. Um, the other framework I love that I, I tend to use and go back to again and again is, is this idea of what you're talking about is maintaining trust and really as a brand, how can you maintain trust? Um, so I look at it as like a five C's checklist. Mm. Um, I talk about it as caring for MVPs so caring for your, your most valuable players, yeah. co-creation, which mm-hmm. speaks to this idea of like creative creativity and co-creation, um, creative customization. So offering, you know, customize products, experiences, in some cases, events, virtual or not, um, for the people in your campfire. Mm-hmm. Content moderation, so making sure that they feel safe with moderation and making yeah. sure there are some clear guidelines and rules. And the last one, consistency, showing up consistently or being clear about when we're, you're not going to show up because you're shutting down because of this reason, you know, like the Discord yeah. uh, with Chipotle. Like, this is this is sort of like just communicating that and being consistent because it isn't just a one-off. You know, if it is, that's that's a sure way to break trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, then let's talk a little bit more about Discord. I actually was on yeah. a, like a webinar yesterday with some of the local folks here in Miami talking mm-hmm. about Discord, but specifically for NFTs, right? So there's mm-hmm. like a whole universe yeah. now. Um, with crypto and NFTs that are mm-hmm. utilizing these campfires, because of course they're gathered around a certain topic. Um, but one of the big questions I've been faced with in the past year or so with, with actually executing with clients with mm-hmm. these sort of big pu- budgets that are spending tons and tons of money on traditional social ads, which has mm-hmm. seen a lot of um, disruption lately. Yeah. Um, There was an interview with uh, Raoul Paul, who's this crypto, um, I guess, thought leader. Mm -hmm. Um, And he talks a lot about monetizing these communities Mm -hmm. and sort of hypothesizing that these big advertising platforms may disappear for Mm -hmm. so many reasons. And that if you start migrating or building sort of smaller community, that this will be your um, avenue to, to monetize community more than perhaps the traditional platforms. And then also talks about tokenization within the mm-hmm. communities, right? Like he gives a very good example about the music industry and Rihanna, right? She has her million followers, mm-hmm. you know, creating uh, something that she owns off of Instagram and then creating like a Rihanna coin or something, right? Mm-hmm. These campfires yeah. can be the... Um, yeah. And I've been so interested in this. And I was wondering, you know, have you heard of this? And what yes. are your thoughts on it? I was like, yeah. I've got to ask Sarah this one because I've totally. been thinking about it. Oh my it gosh, now. yeah. So it has been wild yeah. to see all of this come up in the whatever year and a half since I started, two years since I started writing about this, talking about it, because Web3, crypto, um, all of this is 
everything I talk about come to life, come blazingly to life. And so it's so interesting for me to see it. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing the way these communities can come up and what it means to build a community of diehards within a larger ecosystem. You know, I even look at brands that are considered extremely um, web three crypto forward, like, you know, the hundreds, for example, Bobby hundreds who writes a ton in the space is a huge thought leader in the space talks about how like a lot of his audience doesn't even know that they're doing NFTs and, and their NFTs have been some of the most successful um, brand NFTs, you know, forget brand, just NFTs period. That exists. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, but a lot of his audience, so he says, doesn't even know they exist, which I find so fascinating. It's like, there's a huge swath of the audience who just like is interested in the brand, doesn't really know, doesn't really care. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's this other piece of the the audience that's like, no, I'm really interested. I want to know more. I want buy-in. I want to be part of this um, legitimate community. I want the access and the um, the sense of status mm-hmm. that comes with owning whatever, whether it's um, a token or yeah. a, an NFT that is, yeah. you know, representative of something more. There's all kinds of different ways that the, that brands uh, are doing this. And I find it fascinating. Yeah. It absolutely is a, a full coming to life of everything I've been talking about. But don't you see that like sort of the let's look a lot at gaming. I mean, gaming is a real yes. case study for the value held by the members of the campfire. Yeah, that I mean, that's been going on for quite a while. I mean, skin yeah. for video games is not yeah. not like a last two years. I would say that's the last. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Five, yes. However, it's yeah. always been seen, I think, as over there in this bucket. Mm-hmm. It's just for gamers. Like yeah. even just the term yeah, 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 gamers yeah. is so dated to me because we are living in a world where the gaming paradigm is shaping everything. Yeah. And so it's almost like still saying like, oh, it's digital. Like, you know how you'd have like head of digital at a yeah. company. It's like, hmm, yeah. doesn't everything have to yeah. be Right, like digital now. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea you would have it in a box, like it really has come out of that box. I would say, especially in the last two years, where it's defining a new way of interacting online, and it's not just for gamers. I just want to like retire that word too. I just think it is totally outdated. Everyone is a gamer now because we're yeah. all living in a, a completely new sort of like version of of, of how everyone is a gamer now. I, I just, I'll leave it at that. I just yeah. don't think that it should be classified in the way that it has. And I think the language needs to adapt uh, to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. And so I also gave, or like this example I shared with you before, mm-hmm. but of, of creating, right. So we have the platforms, right. And even mm-hmm. the Vans example was kind of part partnering or building within an existing platform. Right. Mm-hmm. But I had seen that Ray Dalio had created an app after his mm-hmm. book called Princip- The Principles, his money, yeah. his money book. It mm-hmm. was like everywhere on every airport, right? And so he has a, this app called Principles in Action, which gave me this flashback because I remember back in, gosh, like when I, I don't know, I was doing marketing like right in 2000, maybe like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. it was like everyone needs an app that was the thing it was like you need an app and then apps kind of okay they kind of like died down they came back in a different way but do you feel that there could be a reviving of the app because it's a way of an owned campfire and do you think that there's 
I mean, we talked about Web3 a little bit and that sort of handles an ownership thing. Mm-hmm. But do you see maybe trends towards apps again mm-hmm. as that way to intimately build community and to sell to the community? Yeah, I don't know that apps really ever went away. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you have a- enough of an engaged product or community around your product or service or experience, I think you can get them to kind of do anything. It's all about um, explaining and making clear what the value is. Like if you have to download an app to get access to this thing that's valuable and you're part of the community, like, of course you're going to do it. Um, And so I don't know that it's so much about apps are having a comeback. It's more about like, are you providing value and like, what is the mechanism of that? Mm. Is it to down and, and what is the app going to give you? But I don't, I just, you know, when we look at sort of the apps that are being downloaded in the app store, like we're still seeing a lot of um, social apps, you know, being among those. So it's not like, I'm not seeing like a brand app overtaking TikTok anytime soon, (laughs) but I do think that, um, you know, when we look at what is happening out there, I I think it's just, okay, what is the intrinsic value? And then what is going to be the mechanism, um, that you use? And and if it's an app, great. I I just don't know. I think it was, I do think it was overhyped that apps really went away. I mean, you look at an app like CoStar, for example, right? Like yeah. that's providing a lot of value for its audience. People are yeah. obsessed with it, love it. Yeah. It's an astrology app. Yeah. It's really picked up on kind of this um this moment of like really trying to decode what the yeah. hell is happening and, and sort of the, the sort of decline of religion and all of this. So mm. like it's tapped into something. It's providing daily value. Yeah. There's a community that loves it they'll keep downloading it. Like yeah. it's just, that's not going away tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think it's, it's not sure it's the right question to ask. Mm. Well, and I wonder like, could you talk to us a little bit about what advertising looks like on these smaller? I mean, obviously we know mm-hmm. TikTok and w- there's, there's like a, a vehicle for advertising on TikTok, mm-hmm. Yeah, but how about Discord? How about Twitch? How about mm-hmm. these? Cause I know I've seen from your, from your work that, okay, there's, I think it was like, Bacardi or like some alcohol brand that there was an example that you had written about on, I'm not sure. I don't know, like if it was not Bacardi, but I'm saying there are examples of brands like maybe yeah, I can, taking out ads, but there's totally. something else. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really, really hard to advertise on a lot of these platforms. The right. reality is that some of them are not set up for it. Some of them are. So a platform like TikTok, yes, you can plug in, you can create an ad, you can, it's very easy to scale. However, I would still say that combination of ads and working with influencers on custom mm-hmm. campaigns is probably the best move on TikTok. Mm-hmm. However, you're totally right. Like it's hard to, you can't just plug and play. You're not just going and like setting up, what am I doing on discord? You're either coming up with a thoughtful strategy for your discord channel. You're partnering with another discord channel or community to show up in theirs in an authentic and, and thoughtful way. Um, advertising just takes different forms. So I actually just um, recently worked with a company called Beatbox Beverages. They're essentially a boxed alcoholic drink. They're blowing up. They have a super engaged audience. Um, They do have a Facebook group, but they decided to launch on Discord after I spoke with them. And um, it immediately blew up. I mean, for their specific audience, it was the right move because their audience which is a very young music festival loving audience, um, loves discord and is on discord and is already potentially involved in other discord communities. So it made a lot of sense. And I mean, so I guess the answer to your question would be like, 
do you call that advertising? Because mm. it is. Yeah. They're a they're a brand. They're yeah. advertising their product, but it's actually providing a forum for their people to connect with each other, to share wins, to mm-hmm. talk, to share memes, to create a shared vernacular. So yeah, I guess it's advertising for sure. Like they're a brand, they need to make money, but it's really building a, a, a digital campfire that is going to propel their brand um, forward in the form of building loyalty, building engagement, and ultimately generating a lot of like customer insights for them. They're going to learn a lot from that, you know, from that experience. Right. And so so it's hard to like define what it is. Crazy, (laughs) but it sort of supports the idea, right? Sort of with all of the disruption with with ads that I mentioned before, it's sort of like, okay, well, we take away all of the tracking, a good portion of it, right? And so our targeting abilities become much, much weaker. And so what happens is, is that, okay, our ads are being seen more to a general public. And we're kind of hearkening back to this idea of, brand building as opposed to like conversion tracking, because we've been able to get so good at that. And so, all right, if we look at building on Discord or building on Twitch or whatever, and having a presence there, we think of our manager there as like the ad cost and that we're looking at their brand building activities, because do you think it exists a format with the intimacy of what campfires are, a format of advertising as it is, that's going to make sense? Are you saying like a format ads to bring your uh, advertising at scale where you can just like plug and play? Right. I don't, I do think that these platforms will, and your start to see companies um, that are going to, yeah, that are going to develop like scalable solutions for these platforms. I do not doubt that companies will come out and it'll either be third party or it'll be designed by the platforms for sure. It has to happen. You know, you're seeing it um, on certain platforms already. However, you know, will that be as meaningful as a brand hiring a community manager and running its own discord that mm-hmm. every day it's different? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I can't say, cause we don't have the necessarily have the tools yet, but um, I do think the way we're going is highly custom. It does require a much more fine hand, a much mm-hmm. more kind of like one to many, one to one, excuse me, approach um, that's, scaled ads don't. However, I do think there's a place for both. Like I said, like, I don't think you're getting rid of your social presence. I think of a social presence, like a billboard, like you're driving by, you see it's awareness. You're telling people you exist and that's what you're getting from the scaled approach. And then you go to your campfire and you're building a really loyal, really highly engaged community. So I do think there's room for both. Um, but I don't know that we're ever going to get like a, uh, a really impactful, scalable solution. That said, like anything's possible. Mm, yeah, who knows? I mean, they'll find a way. Um, yeah. Let, let's switch gears for a minute to, to think about startups because I, I know that with just sort of the, I guess the challenge of really standing mm-hmm. out in traditional social platforms nowadays, like mm-hmm. obviously everyone, you have to have it running. And I love what you just said about sort of the traditional platforms as being kind of your mainstream spot. That's like, your spot along the highway, your billboard, like you have to be there. There's a lot of value in that. But I almost see a great um, benefit to doing both those strategies with smaller companies, with startups, mm-hmm. because of that feedback loop. Like how, how 
great that is for smaller companies to say, okay, mm-hmm. we have all of that running, yeah. but what, in what ways can we build a campfire to essentially be like our market research, right? Yes. New product. So if, and this may sound really overwhelming to some founders listening to us. So what are some ways in which they can maybe get started? Like yeah, dip for their sure. toe in and start using it in a way that's going to be, that they'll feel brings value to them. Yeah. So I have so many thoughts on this. Um, I, I love this topic. So first off I would study communities that are doing this well. So Mm. for nascent founders, there's, I don't know if you've heard of the community club CPG. Um, it's so funny because only in like 2020 stuff now, I know only in like 2022 or 2021, like, would we have a community for CPG founders? Like the idea that you'd be like nerding out on CPG is like CPG. Yeah. yeah, But you know what? It's incredible. It's a, it's, um, it's a discord and, um, it's actually a telegram group as well, but they also release NFTs. And the idea is that it's essentially, um, sharing resources. There's a mentorship element. Um, so it's a great example of just a, I would say B2B community that has done really well and, and has, is a great resource for founders and people who are about to launch businesses or have businesses, new businesses, um, to see how it's made. So even if you're not a CPG founder, there's a lot of like things that you can take away and insights you can take away from how that community is run. Mm -hmm. So I'll just say that. Then I think when you're thinking about what is my business or shaping a direction, a vision, I think the next great businesses will come up out of community. So mm-hmm. it'll come up out of community needs. It'll come up out of a particularly, um, you know, popular uh, Instagram or excuse me, or TikTok hashtag, you know, I, I don't know. There's, if you, you can go easily go down rabbit holes on TikTok. And yeah. I think for a lot of those rabbit holes, a lot of those hashtags have businesses that are potentially attached to them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's a rampant community for butter talk. This is random, but it's like people (laughs) interested in butter. Like if you were to launch sort of a custom butter business that had like, you know, on the way that salt has taken off. I mean, I don't know, but the idea is that I do think that the next great like generation of businesses are going to come up out of community. So it's, it's really the community already saying like, I'm interested in this. I'm excited about this. I'm creating content about this. And you have a business coming in that's like, coming up through that and being shaped by that. You mm-hmm. see that on Reddit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great company called Late Checkout. Greg Eisenberg um, is the founder. I interviewed him a couple of year or two ago, I guess it's during pandemic, so I have no sense of yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his whole approach is around, um, is around that idea of what I just described, but on Reddit. <clears throat> and he talks a lot, he's, he's written about this. It's definitely worth checking out because his company has kind of a very methodical approach to essentially looking at which Reddit communities are popping and then developing or pitching businesses around them. So Mm. that's another thing. It's like, as you're shaping your business, like really looking to campfires to inform a direction of what's popular, what people are already um, interested in. Um, But then the third thing is like, okay, you already have your business. Yeah. Developing some kind of small channel where you can incentivize people to get in there and be part of your um, customer, call it customer listening feedback, but 
you know, to your point about tokenization, ideally you incentivize them to be yeah. part of like an early adopter community. You incentivize them with NFTs, mm-hmm. you incentivize them with tokens that don't have art attached to them mm-hmm. or anything attached. It's just tokens for their yeah. own sake. So there's a lot of ways to give people skin in the game. And I think that's what um, is going to become the expectation in the next few years. I mean, I think part of the reason this is blowing up now, Web3 is blowing up now is because there's this unlock of like, wait, I've been repping for a brand for years and all I've done is give them money. Mm-hmm. What about me? I've helped to yeah. spread the word. And so I do think there's this growing awareness that there should be shared incentives and brands and, and customers should have aligned incentives. And that's, that's a good thing. So I yeah. think we're going to see that. And if you're a young brand starting out, that's something you can consider is like, how can I build with my community and, and incentivize them to spread the word, um, not just buy my stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So what do you see is the, what is the future of brand building and community building from your perspective that oh you gosh. hope that sort of the big, you know, the big, the big guys that have maybe a lot of money to, to invest or can do some really fun experimental things where everyone else is maybe a little bit scared, but what do you see is kind of the future of, of, of community building really for brands? I think that, you know, there's so much talk right now about the creator economy. I think we're going to see the the next wave of great businesses come up through that. And we're already seeing it. I mean, there's, you know, these, these creator led businesses are already doing incredibly well. And we're seeing that happen again and again. I mean, I saw a stat the other day, um, that it's either like Addison Ray or some of the top TikTokers are making a lot more money just through their brand deals and whatnot than some of the most highly paid CEOs in America. Um, So it's like, that's, it's not just about listen to, to Gen Z. They're going to help you shape your business. Like they're going to actually crush your business. So Mm -hmm. you need Mm -hmm. to be paying attention to them. Um, And it's not really like playtime anymore. I think that's what, is so interesting to watch. Like, I do think that all of these businesses, all these like massive multi-million dollar businesses are potentially at risk if they don't understand how this generation is consuming and what matters to them. And I, and I do think that they are very much starting to know that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know that they recognize the true threat that, that they, um, that they represent. And I do think there's room for both if they're done right. But the problem is a lot of these old school businesses are approaching this in a way that's just not, um, aligned with how Gen Z, you know, see themselves or see their values. That said, I would say that there's a lot of contradiction in all of this. So Gen Z is not like a, a one, you know, unified cohort. You know, my favorite example is we talk a lot about, you know, the value of sustainability among this cohort, right? Like they really care about sustainable brands, conscious brands. Okay. Well, what is the, one of the most popular brands among this cohort? I'm not going to say it right. Cause I never get it right. But Shein, Shine, Shine, S H E I N. Okay. It's a it? massively popular clothing brand out of ah, China fast that fashion. has, ah, yes, yes. Yeah. I know. It. Yeah, yeah. 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 That has like been crushing. It's like the TikTok of clothing, mm-hmm. um, incredibly cheap, incredibly fast turnarounds. Like this is anything but sustainable. So yeah. it's sort of like 
is, yeah, okay, it's a value, but like to what extent mm-hmm. is it informing? I mean, we, I think then we have to look at the the rise in the popularity of Depop. Like Depop is all about recycling and thrifting and whatnot. So yeah. it's both. I mean, it's just, it's not one or the other. So I think yeah. we just have to be honest about like, okay, let's not try to put this in a box. Let's know that there's a lot of different stuff happening here and let's try to approach it and create a framework that we can kind of understand it. And that's sort of what I've tried to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that you say there is, there's room for everything. Um, But what it reminds me of is I just feel in my bones that just the, the sheer quantity of entrepreneurs that are just, just popping every year, right? And the tools Mm -hmm. that we have, right? It's like you can start a business and grow it and whatever from inside your house during a pandemic. It just makes me think that there's so much, there's so much market out there. There's so much room. And while the big brands will do the big brand thing, there's like an infinite amount of possibilities always for brands of all sizes Mm -hmm. and people to build communities. It's like, as many people as there are in the world, they can be businesses. And we've seen this with influencers, yeah. like, yes. you know, sincerely Jules has like her target line. Like mm-hmm. that's just her mounting a brand just of who she is. And so yeah, there's opportunity um, and people can with web three, with owning mm-hmm. all of that, like we can only imagine what's going to happen once everyone starts to really own their own content, own the content tax that they have yeah. and be able to kind of really benefit from it instead of just Facebook and Instagram. So, yeah. And that, as I think the promise of, of web three and what we're hearing is going to happen and we're already seeing it. I mean, it's not just a promise. Like we're definitely people who've been early adopters of that. We're seeing it. I just don't know if it's like a be all solution mm. to everything, you yeah. know? Uh, I think it's being, it's, it does, there feels like there's a lot of hype and I think you have to look beyond the hype to actually know, okay, what's actually happening? What's driving this? Is this purely economic factors? Like, how can we understand this? Um, but don't dismiss it um, because it's overwhelming <laughs> and hype filled. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about um, just like what you do and how you help yeah. and where people can kind of follow the work that you do and yeah for yeah. sure um so i work with brands in a variety of ways i would say it kind of falls into three buckets the first is content strategy so helping them figure out what the hell they're <laughs> saying yeah. on the platforms that matter to the audiences that they have yeah. even before that though i often work with brands on brand strategy so yeah. before you get into your content plan you have to know kind of your your mission who you're for um i do think really digging down and going like hey what is the why of why we exist and why people should care. Um, So I would call that brand strategy. And then, you know, with all of the writing that I've been doing on campfires, um, I do a lot of community strategy is sort of how it's known. So how do you build a community? How do you build a campfire? What does that mean for your brand? Um, And honestly, I do a lot now of writing and speaking, the speaking to companies like YouTube and Microsoft. I speak in-house at those companies and others, mm-hmm. um, lots of brands on like decoding and demystifying like what the heck is going on, kind of like I have here, but I give, um, you know, actual talks on the subject. Yeah. And that's really what I love doing. Like I love, I would say teaching, but also learning at the same time. And I'm constantly yeah. learning and it is constantly overwhelming. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of the audience that I speak to feels overwhelmed as well. Um, and that's okay. Like we're all sort of in this together in that yeah. way. I think that, I think there's like a beautiful, um, humility with all of this, right. Even navigating, even for the people that are 
that are the experts in the field. It's moving so fast and it's sort of like changes in real time. And you're just kind of trying to glean the insights that you can. So my last question is though, is what is, so now we've, you know, you've stumbled upon this great concept that obviously has been proved time and time again over the past couple of years since you wrote the article Mm -hmm. in 2020. So now we're on the second year, but what's like the next thing that you're kind of pulling the yarn at? What is the next thing that's kind of making you double click on? Yeah. So I, like I, we had sort of touched on web three and crypto and it's sort of, that is really an example of how everything like I'm talking about is coming to life. And so I am really excited to get my feet wet in that world. And so to that end, it looks like I'm about to jump into a really cool project. I can't really speak much about it. It's not locked yet, but um, in that world, Mm -hmm. and I hopefully will get to, um, you know, actually do the work to understand how you build a community in that world. And so obviously I'm in, I'm in those communities. I'm, you know, I'm showing up in those Twitter spaces. I'm like in those discords, but I haven't actually built one from scratch. And so I'm excited to potentially do that. Um, because I think that you can't really write and speak on these things unless you've actually done them. And so I need to make sure that I'm also doing them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also, uh, you know, I think talking and writing about web three and crypto in general is something that I'm excited about. I, um, to this point, you know, haven't brought the digital campfires concepts clearly into that world, but it obviously has so many implications for it. So I need to figure out like, what am I, what is going to be my writing on that? What is going to be my speaking on that? Um, You know, I was asked to speak on the metaverse, for example, in brands, which is obviously something I can definitely talk on. Um, But it's like, what's my angle? And by the way, you mentioned that sort of the the brands coming up, these creator-led brands, um, I would also say that there's another type of brand coming up that I just have my eye on. And it's a mm-hmm. brand like Artifact. I don't know how much you know about them. They were bought by Nike uh, last month and yeah. RT, RTFKT. Yeah. Um, essentially, they're a digital goods brand. I mean, it's yeah. a brand. Um, it's a brand studio, essentially, that makes digital goods. And they had a ton of heat around them and Nike bought them. And they were about two years old, I want to say. So when we're talking about these, yeah, we're talking about these types of businesses that are coming up. I do think there's this like hybrid, super interesting new like form of brand that is kind of consists of a lot of different elements that we haven't seen before. And I think we're going to see more of that. It's not just creator led creators, part of it, but it's almost like curated digital experiences, um, I can't even encapsulate it. I don't have language for it yet, but Artifact is a great example of it. Wow. That is is so cool. It's so exciting. And you're so good at sort of distilling and big concepts and putting them into bite-sized chunks that we can all understand. So (laughs) you're going to have to dig into all of this and then come back and share your findings with us. This is really exciting. And also kind of like, you know, being a part of how commerce will change because inevitably you know, EFTs, tokenization, crypto, all of this stuff is going to change the fabric of yeah of commerce in general. And yeah. it's going to be exciting to see how that happens. Yeah. I will say it's really important for women to be involved in it just as yeah. two women sitting here. Like yeah. I can't stress that enough. I think there's this um, crypto bro sort of like image mm-hmm. of all of this stuff. And like to a certain mm-hmm. extent, that's definitely true. Like in terms of who's invested, who's actually buying, um, it's heavily weighted to men. Let's not let that be the norm. Like this is a huge opportunity for at least 
forget any of the other stuff we talked about. I do think it's an interesting and important opportunity for wealth creation. So like it is important for women to at least get familiar with this um, and not be scared off by it. So that's kind of part of why I've also like been very bullish on this. It's like, I don't think that this is a, just cause it seems hypey, whatever. We don't, we don't wade into that territory. Like let's find out, let's figure it out. Let's get involved. Mm-hmm. Let's buy in to some extent as much as we can afford. Um, just so we can have uh, a sense of like, I'm in this. Uh, cause I think it's very, Absolutely. very important. And I should say, and actually I will, I'll try to put some in the show notes, but there are some like really cool. I don't know if anything comes to mind, like DAOs, mm-hmm. I mean, communities that mm-hmm. are being kind of led by women for women. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's one that just actually, um, I don't know when your podcast is going to be published, but um, there's yeah, in February. One. Yeah. Okay. February. Um, you can join. There's a community called My BFF and it's Jamie yeah. Schmidt yeah, um, yeah. and Britt Morin were the yeah. two co-founders. Now, Jamie actually leads the Club CPG community as well that I mentioned oh, with her okay. husband, with her partner, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris. Yeah. So it's it's, uh, I haven't actually been to their event yet because the first one is January 26th and, yeah. and they just essentially, they haven't done anything yet, yeah. but they have a great, um, you know, they've, they've assembled an awesome cross-section of women from across different industries, um, which I think is important because yeah. this can't just be for people in that world. It's, it's like, it's got to break, break open. So mm-hmm. that's, it seems what they're trying to do. I don't know much about their community, but I'm excited to, to be part of it, whatever it is yeah. they're building and sort of see. And I think there's lots of other communities that are, that are like that meta angels is another one. Um, they have an NFT collection that they've launched in a super engaged discord. Um, you know, Randy Zuckerberg is a, is a, I don't know if she's an investor, but yeah. she's definitely like a proselytizer oh, of yeah. them. So yeah. there's been there's been some interesting moves in this space, and I think a real um, concerted effort not to let this just be another place where women don't feel comfortable, mm-hmm. women don't feel empowered, and actually do have power and and understand these conversations. So I think that's really important because this is a language. Um, like anything, you know, I talk about the language of digital campfires, getting to know the language, just like anything, this is a language and you have to learn to speak it. And if you can't speak it, you can't really necessarily be in these rooms. Um, it's harder. So I think it's important that women are there. And it's just also important to note that like, maybe men don't, aren't as forthcoming with sharing this, but like everyone is insecure or unsure Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, it's just, you know, it's just the nature of what's happening now. And so find solace yeah. in the fact that like everyone feels the same way and just yeah. dive in. So I, um, I did hear quite a bit about my BFF, so I will, I'll be in that with you yeah. and, and share yeah, some yeah, yeah, of yeah. our findings. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Sarah, Fantastic. it was so, this was such a dream. This is so great to talk oh nerdy gosh, so shop happy. with you. Yes. Out. Um, <laughs> I love it before we end, please tell everyone like where they could follow you and, and where yeah, you like for to hang sure. out in the Absolutely. So my site is swprojects.co and that's .co.com. Yes. So you can check that out. Um, I do send an occasional newsletter updates. You can sign up at the bottom, just scroll all the way down. Um, I do, um, post on LinkedIn, uh, semi-frequently uh, I'll post my thoughts, post videos there. So you can follow me. I'm just Sarah Wilson with no H on my name. And, um, that's probably it for now. Stay tuned yeah. for more updates. If you want to, you know, bring me in to speak at your company, that's sure. something I love to do and, and we can, you know, custom tailor it to whatever you want. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It was such like a yeah. day to meet you. 
And so um, nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. Thank Thank you. You did it. You made it to the end of the episodes. Thanks for sticking around with me and listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate you as an audience member, and I hope that you found this helpful. If you did like this episode, it would mean so, so much to me if you subscribed, if you rate and review this podcast. It helps other people know that this podcast has something worth saying. It also would be super awesome if you could take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at Ugly Ventures, U-G-L-I Ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. I am always so appreciative to hear from you, and I hope to see you back here next week on the Marketing for Startups podcast.